Turn your small savings into impressive fortunes with the Alpha Beta Report. Expertly guided by certified pros who've themselves transformed modest sums into vast treasures, you can dive into investing, trading, and more. And you do it by visiting alphabetareport.com. And you can amplify your financial growth starting today. When you get there, you'll see my picture. There's a, a green button. Click that. Type in W-I-N-D-S-O-R. And the guys at Alpha Beta Report will give you a discount on the education that you're going to get. So thank you to the Alpha Beta Report uh, for their continued support of the Ohio Press Network, thealphabetareport.com. Well, if you could be a fly on the wall, uh, Jeff and I were just discussing the Browns, and uh, I'm still frustrated, so I'm going to wait a little bit to talk about the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns and the complete dismantling they received in Houston. Lieutenant Governor John Husted endorses President Donald J. Trump. This is a press release from the Ohio Republican Party today. As the presidential primary election officially kicks off in Iowa, Ohio Lieutenant Governor John Husted has cast his 2024 endorsement for President Donald J. Trump. John Husted said uh, via social media, Joe Biden's reckless policies have weakened America, especially our economy and our security. In Ohio, we are creating a record number of jobs and have abundant job training opportunities. But many people are still suffering because of their addiction to drugs and rising crime. Biden's out-of-control spending has led to record inflation and made it harder for Ohioans to pay their bills. We need strong leadership to get America back on track. That's why I'm endorsing Donald Trump for president. He will secure our borders from the drugs, crime, and human trafficking that is plaguing our communities, and he'll rebuild our national economy. Trump has won Ohio twice, and he will win Ohio again in 2024. That is Lieutenant Governor John Husted. And then uh, Ohio Republican Party Chairman Alex Triantafilu said, the Ohio Republican Party looks forward to working with Lieutenant Governor Husted to deliver another major victory for Donald J. Trump here in Ohio, Houston's strong background in workforce development and improving Ohio's business climate fits hand in glove with President Trump's America First agenda. Previously, Houston served as a delegate to the 2020 Republican National Convention and co-chair of Trump's reelection campaign in Ohio. The Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee and Executive Committee endorsed President Trump on December 1st, 2023. What that means is that John Husted appears to be the heir apparent. John Husted appears to be the guy that the Ohio Republican Party will put out in front as the candidate for governor of the state of Ohio in 2026. Of course, that's a little piece down the road. But believe you me, as soon as that 2024 presidential election is over, then... uh, Governor Husted, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Husted, say so just called him Governor. How's that? Lieutenant Governor Husted uh, will go into uh, fifth gear there, and uh, he will be putting on a full court press to be the next governor of the state of Ohio. What are your thoughts on that? I find it interesting that um, in Ohio we're creating a record number of jobs and have abundant training opportunities. Uh, but many people are still suffering because of their addiction to drugs and rising crime. I would also submit that we're suffering because we have immigrants who are undocumented, they're illegal, and they're competing for jobs and they're competing for housing. And that is a massive issue, 
particularly uh, in Ohio, if uh, <clears throat> you look at existing housing units relative to population uh, demand in the Columbus metro area, there's about a 41,000 unit deficit. Uh, that represents the the crux of the local housing crisis, according to Axios. The Columbus metro area was short over 41,000 homes as of 2022, according to global developer Heinz. That number represents nearly 5% of the market's existing inventory. There aren't enough homes being built to keep up with the area's increase in households. And the same is true nationwide, but... Given Columbus's charted course for economic expansion with some big Fortune 500 companies developing here, that's going to get worse. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, the plan is to do about that. Uh, Shoring up the border is, is certainly issue number one, but I think very few people are willing to say uh, we need to send folks back who are here illegally. And we need to do that pronto. A lot of people would speculate that that can be done if we coordinate uh, the Department of Justice, the FBI, ICE with uh, state and local law enforcement officials and agencies. We could get it done. But, you know, the FBI and the Department of Justice, they're they're busy worrying about parents at school board meetings and they're busy worrying about how they're going to try to get Donald Trump um, not only prosecuted but convicted so that he's off the ballot in 2024. You don't believe me? We're going to dive into it right now. If you have not yet, and this is old, this is uh, February 4th, 2021 is when this was published by Time. And the title of the article is The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign that Saved the 2020 Election. Save the election! Written by Molly Ball. Now, I've pointed to this article for a couple of years now. And since doing that, of course, the mainstream press has come out and said, well, here's where Molly was wrong. And she just kind of, you know, created some things that aren't true. (laughs) I think she told the truth. The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign that Saved the Election. Ball said a A weird thing happened right after the November 3rd election. Nothing. The nation was braced for chaos. Braced for chaos. The the nation had just undergone chaos. The summer of love, right? Burn, loot, murder. Uh, Liberal groups had vowed to take to the streets, planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. In a poll before the election day, 75% of Americans voiced concern about violence. Instead, an eerie quiet descended. As President Trump refused to concede, the response was not mass action, but crickets. When media organizations called the race for Joe Biden on November 7th, jubilation broke out instead as people thronged cities across the United States to celebrate the democratic process that resulted in Trump's ouster. Now, that democratic process, by the way, we'll dive in more here, includes the federal government uh, really putting the thumb on the democratic process scale. Do you remember this? Twitter files, working with Twitter to make sure that certain messages and narratives were thwarted, were crushed, were canceled, 
doing the same thing with Facebook. And by the way, they're still doing the same thing with Facebook. And the thing that we should be concerned about is that artificial intelligence is doing that for them now. It's baked into the code. So narratives that are against whatever the Marxist agenda is, those things are suppressed while the Marxist-friendly content is elevated. And by the way, of course it was crickets because the entire push was from the Marxist left to get Trump out of the White House. And they called off the dogs once that was official. That should tell you everything. That right there should tell you everything you need to know, but it gets better. A second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempts to reverse the result. By the way, I don't believe that Trump was trying to reverse the result, but if you don't swallow that hook, line, and sinker, then you have a hard time coming into agreement with insurrection, right? Because that was an insurrection. People going to petition their government, uh, their, their government, that was insurrection. Uh, corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of whom had backed Trump's candidacy, candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy, not my word, Molly Balls. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. By the way, I will tell you, the left-wing activists, the BLM, this is the same group of people, we've already, we've already unearthed this, that is driving the pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli, or shall I say, chanting from the river to the sea, uh, pro-genocide group. These left-wing activists and business titans were together. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and AFL-CIO published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protests in which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the AFL-CIO published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protest. Stop right there. Sometimes destructive? Over 500 riots causing somewhere between $1 and $2 billion of damage? 20-plus murders? If that type of sometimes destructive activity 
had been drummed up or ginned up by Republicans or Donald J. Trump, he'd be in Gitmo right now. Give me a break. Uh, In which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. Well, I think they did a rotten job of keeping the peace. I think small business owners who lost thousands, maybe lost their businesses, people who lost their lives, uh, the hundreds of police officers who were assaulted, it was not peaceful. It was not a protest. It was an insurrection. It really was. How many government buildings were destroyed in the process or, or, or damaged? But I digress. The real issue here is the partnership between labor and big business. That's why the Freedom Foundation is so important. If you go to optouttoday.com, you can see how simple and seamless it is to opt out of your government union. And you're allowed to. The Supreme Court said so. If you want a government job, you don't have to join a union to get it. If you have a government job, you don't have to be in the union to keep it. And if you're not in the union, you don't have to give the union bosses your money because it goes to stuff like this. Monolithically, they support Marxists, Democrats, and the progressive movements that are rotting the minds of our kids. Well, the Freedom Foundation is helping put a stop to that, at least where government unions are concerned. So thank you to the Freedom Foundation for your continued support of the Ohio Press Network. And if you go to optouttoday.com, you can see how to opt out. Opt out. Share it with 10 of your friends. As my old wrestling coach used to say, kill the head, kill the beast. And funding is the head of the beast. So back to Molly Ball's Time Magazine article. And uh, if you have not yet read it, you need to. She writes, the handshake between business and labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election. An extraordinary shadow effort dedicated. Now, if you said shadow or deep state before, you were a conspiracist, but now they're laying it bare. It's been laid bare for three years now, by the way. Dedicated to not winning the vote, but ensuring it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted. (laughs) Really? I think the Twitter files and Facebook files say more than that. I think I think the federal government stepping in and saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story that the New York uh, was it, I'm sorry, not the New York Times, um, the New York Post published had all the markings of Russian disinformation was bogus. The FBI had the laptop and one of two things are true. They knew and they lied. Or they reasonably should have known that the information was accurate. Either way, it's dereliction of duty. For more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives scrambled to shore up America's institutions as they came under simultaneous attack from the remorseless pandemic and the autocratically inclined president. Really? Autocratically inclined, say you. I remember a time, actually, I was on a walk with my daughter, and she said, why doesn't the president, why doesn't President Trump just do this? And I said, because the federal government and the state government should have autonomy from each other. And the president did the right thing and said that the states have a right 
to choose policies based on the goings-on in each respective state. That didn't sound very autocratic to me. Anthony Fauci is captured by Big Pharma and the medical-industrial complex. Trump didn't fire him. Autocrat. Uh, Though much of this activity took place on the left, it was separate from the Biden campaign and crossed ideological lines with crucial contributions by nonpartisan and conservative actors. The scenario the shadow campaigners were desperate to stop was not a Trump victory. It was an election so calamitous that no result could be discerned at all. The failure of the central act of democratic self-governance that has been the hallmark of America since its founding. We live in a constitutional republic, Molly. Their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and helped secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. Yes, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife sent millions of dollars to states. Remember that? And certainly in places like, oh, I don't know, Georgia, Pennsylvania, election laws were changed late in the game, sometimes changed by actors that were not even lawfully allowed to change the laws. They fended off voter suppression lawsuits, recruited armies of poll workers, and got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. They successfully pressured social media companies to take a harder line against disinformation and use data-driven strategies to fight viral smears. They executed national public awareness campaigns that helped Americans understand how the vote count would unfold over days or weeks, preventing Trump's conspiracy theories and false claims of victory from getting more traction. Actually, I remember leading up to the election, the New York Times said, we call the election. That's the job of the press. No, New York Times, it is not the job of the press. After election day, They monitored every pressure point to ensure that Trump could not overturn the result. Quote, the untold story of the election is the thousands of people of both parties who accomplished the triumph of American democracy at its very foundation, says Norm Eisen, a prominent lawyer and former Obama administration official who recruited Republicans and Democrats to the board of the voter protection program. I'm look. You can't learn from history until you understand it. And if you don't learn from history, it will repeat itself. So we are going to stay on this track, the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. And we might learn something more on this next. Next. 